0: This is the Royal Tea Podcast, spilling it with queens, kings, and everything in between. The Royal Tea teaches and empowers young, queer people of color through personal testimonies and connections in our local community of Phoenix and beyond. We serve, sip, and spill the latest tea so you can take action to care for yourself and those around you. So what about if we had people, allies, or um, people that are part of the community that would want to donate to either the Black Lives Matter movement or other things that are going on right now? What would you suggest?
1: So the first one that I would suggest is the GoFundMe page for Dion Johnson, uh, which is an individual that was uh, shot by DPS here in Arizona, um, I believe about a month or two ago. Um, and you can just go to go, uh, GoFundMe and search for Justice for Dion Johnson. Um, the second one that I would recommend is the local Black Lives Matter Phoenix um, group. And you would just go to slash donate. Um, and then they have a link to be able to donate uh, through PayPal.
0: Awesome. I can't wait. I hope that we see you know all those GoFundMes meet um, or other donation pages meet the uh, minimums that they need uh, to cover at least the basic costs. I know, of course, no amount of money would... Ever be able to cost the loss of a life, but um, or cover the cost of a loss of a life. But I know that th- that the Black Lives um, Matter Phoenix Metro organization also helps to sustain Black people in the community through covering things like rent or utilities, food, um, events, things like that. So it's it's money that goes directly back into the Black community, which is great um, because that camaraderie is really needed at this time. Absolutely. Um, so I know I've seen uh, this article that talks about the increase in COVID cases and how that's related to protests, and um, they're saying that it's directly related. It's a correlation. Um, do you want to speak on if that's a true statement or not?
1: Yeah, so that is a false statement, um, and it's kind of some of the research that I've done. Um, it's They are not correlated because if they were, we would be seeing spikes in you know all 50 states. Uh, given that there's been protests in every state in the, in the country. Um, But really where we're, where we are seeing the spikes in cases is the states that, uh, you know, opened earlier or closed later, um, kind of around Memorial, uh, the Memorial day weekend uh, timeline. Um, And those are really where we're seeing the spikes. So that's places like Arizona, Texas, Florida, really in like the Sunbelt area.
0: Well, that is always good to know. And I'm sure that you could look that up, you know, I'm sure there's like a Snopes, you know, plethora of um, articles that you could find um, online about that as well. And speaking of COVID, I know, um, you know, part of this that maybe we're not talking about a whole lot yet and we should have more discussion on is how is COVID-19, the the virus itself, uh, affecting people of color or Black people disproportionately? And what do those resources look like for those people in um, those minority communities? Categories, I guess I would say, um, and uh, what's not being done to help these minorities with uh, with the COVID nineteen increase?
1: Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of avenues that we would look at this uh, through. Um, the The first is going to be that people of color tend to have jobs where they cannot work from home, um, so it's going to be you know more like customer. Uh, facing roles or you know manual labor roles, um, and so that puts them at a higher chance of um, coming in contact with with COVID nineteen, um, and um, you know that, and then also the the lack of access to healthcare um, is another factor that increases their chance of of uh, you know becoming COVID nineteen positive. I was going to ask. Does the fact that our system is
0: already, you know, it's an institutionalized racist system, um, does that increase the likelihood that Black people or other people of color that are in jail, that are imprisoned, are less likely to receive health care if they do have COVID because they are in close quarters, they're more likely to come in contact with somebody because they can't get out? Um, Is that something that you have any information
1: on? Uh, Well, I would say that they're definitely going to be, um, you know, more at risk. Um, you know, just in general, people of color tend to have comorbidities. So like things like high blood pressure, diabetes, um, you know, more, uh, chances of cancer, there's definitely going to be things that they're predisposed to that will make them more likely to, um, you know, suffer from the disease.
0: Very good to know. Um, okay. So then let's, uh, Talk about, uh, let's get into some stories that you have personal stories. I've been talking about uh, a lot of this Black Lives Matter movement and uh, know your rights stuff from a more staunch perspective of, you know, this is what you can do and this is how you can keep yourself safe, which is all great um, advertisement and um, advocacy for our listeners. But what kind of stories do you have in regard to growing up in this racist system? Um, where your family members have been affected, or you yourself have been affected
1: yeah definitely um, the you know the first story that I think comes to mind uh, my family was traveling home from a vacation in Texas, um, and my dad was driving, and he was pulled over um, he was pulled over for speeding. he was going i believe uh, two or three miles over the speeding limit, and um, my parents had a fairly newer um, s u v it was a Um, somewhat of a nicer car. And the officer removed my dad from the car, brought him to the back of the vehicle, and was questioning him, like, how did you get this vehicle? Did you steal it? Who are those people that are in the car with you? Um, Did you kidnap them? Um, And then the officer proceeded to come and ask me and my sister the same, and my mother, like, do you know this man? Who is he? Did he take you? Um, So I think that those are really... You know, things that people think don't happen, but they do. Um, They're very real and they happen all the time to people of color. Um, And it's just kind of one of those things that you, that's just normal. And it's, you know, it's a sad reality, but it's just a normal interaction that people of color tend to have have with law enforcement.
0: Yeah, it is a super sad reality. I know, um, you know, as I mentioned, in the state of Arizona, we have racial bias also towards people that could be viewed as undocumented right they say really the joke is like if you're darker than khaki like you better Mm -hmm. carry your papers on you which is frustrating to me but it is something that um you know i think these are the conversations that people that grow up in just like a white family don't really have even myself um my white family members weren't um targeted or you know, picked out for the color of their skin, um, which is my mom's half of the family, and that's who I grew up with. So, in in your case, as you mentioned, you had some maybe privilege that other people in your same kind of situation, as far as racial diversity is concerned, your identity um, didn't have. I feel the same way that I was able to grow up with a white family, and therefore, usually, I was treated mm-hmm. you know as a white among whites, even though I'm clearly not. I'm um, also mixed. Um, the Sad and scary part is that even when I was young, I had friends that were, you know, full, full, fully Mexican or, you know, fully um, black, non-mixed with white. And so they didn't have any kind of advanced privilege like that. Uh, And they had to say, you know... You're in for a wake up call because you're going to be questioned, you're going to be detained, you're going to be, you know. And these are like conversations I had in like third grade with people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's sad that that reality is not true for every American. Uh, or really, it's the other way around. It's sad that that's the reality for only some. Yeah. And those, those some have to really struggle to, um, interact with other people including the authorities in a totally different way like as soon as i get pulled over by a cop i'm like okay sit straight up and have the best manners and get on like you know my calm face and um it's because even though i'm not a black male which are the people that tend to be most targeted by uh police brutality and um violence and um lots of other inappropriate things uh I still, as a person of color, think, oh, they're going to detain me because I I don't have my papers on me, which is why for a very long time I did carry my birth certificate and my social security on me, which is not safe for any American to do. Mm-hmm. But it is something that you you had you have to learn to do, and then you also have to learn to undo it. And I think the only way that I was able to learn to undo it was to go through this education system of know my rights and talk to people at ACLU and figure that out. And even so I could still be mistreated, but at least I know in which ways I have been mistreated and that is eye opening. So thank you for being with us here today and kind of talking to us about uh, that very personal and raw uh, story. Do you have? Do you happen to have any other stories?
1: Yeah, um, I have. I have definitely a few. Um, I think. Oh yeah, keep going. The, the the next big one that comes to mind um, has to do with where I went to school uh, before I graduated high school. So, um, the high school mm-hmm. that I went to, um, it was in Marana, Arizona, um, which used to be um, more of like an agricultural area in the in the city metropolitan area, um, and it's now been more developed, but. Um, you know, when I was in high school, there was a a kid one day that was, you know, wearing a shirt that said, um, it's a white house for a reason, get this N word out. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't censored. Um, and I went home that day and I told my dad about it and he contacted the administration at the school and they did nothing about it. And so that was, that was my freshman year and that kind of set the tone of what, going to a school and more that's like in a rural out in the middle of nowhere area was going to be like. Um, and then um, kind of just, you know, exploded when my sister had an interaction. Um, she had gone to the administration at her school and this was after I had graduated. She's two years younger than me. So this was her senior year um, and she had gone to the administration to essentially petition to have them ban the Confederate flag from the campus. Um, Cause at the school that I went to, people would fly the Confederate flag from their trucks and their vehicles and drive to school with it every day. Um, and so she she made her case and she got it banned and then she faced backlash for it. So she was getting her car keyed. Um, people were following her, threatening her, tell, telling her that she made all of this up. And it eventually got to the point where the, the principal and one of her counselors told her that they couldn't guarantee her, sa- her safety on the campus anymore. And so that it was up to her if she wanted to take that risk and continue coming to school on campus, or if she wanted to finish her last semester online. And she ended up finishing her last semester online. And, you know, she got to miss out on like her senior prom. She was on a dance team that she had been on all four years and didn't get to finish that out and just also graduating and rock walking with her classmates. Um, but it was just a really tough experience for her. And um, you know, it, It opened her eyes um, and made her the strong woman that she is now. Um, But it's interesting to see how people didn't speak up. No one said anything. No one, you know, supported her and, and that sort of thing. And so it's now interesting to see those same people that are, you know, kind of hopping on the bandwagon because Black Lives Matter is, you know, trending now, but it's interesting to look back and see how those people treated her. Wow, so much great and very useful
0: information. Let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll be right back.
1: Hey, Royalty listeners, this is Eli from the T-Phoenix. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about a new service that's being offered by the Southwest Center. So the Southwest Center is now offering HIV teletesting. So the Center will walk you through the entire process from scheduling the appointment to doing the test itself and even reviewing the results. But the support does not stop there. The center will also connect you with the resources for the next steps moving forward. You're not just getting a test, but you're also getting a community of support. This service is available Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the comfort of your own home. So join us and leave stigma at your front door. To set up your appointment, call the center at 602-307-5330 or email testing at swhiv.org. To get your home testing kit. Again, call 602-307-5330 or email testing at swhiv.org. We're in this together and we are here for you. Yeah, very disparaging that, well, first of all, that we're not saying that
0: you flip-flop, but if you have chosen to decide that, you know, something like the Confederate flag should be banned from a public school, area uh, if you've chosen to change your mind on that then I would say like you would have to do so with such great remorse for me to actually believe that you're not doing it for you know the popularity to be like you said trending with other people um, and I have you know I've seen and I've heard some people uh, that are in a position of privilege say I did say this back then and I am 100% wrong and I was wrong and I am sorry that I did this and just really owning up to it, I think is the only way that we could start to heal and move past those kinds of statements. But even so, you know, it, I wonder how many of those people are sincere, like you said. Um, and and not only that, um, you know, just the men, the mob mentality is very Flux. So, like yes. I said, I, I would hope they're not going back and forth, but you never know. It, you know, we came to this position in 2016 where the administration in the White House has become more conservative than maybe the last 40 years, mm-hmm. uh, and with that, you, we see these people coming out of the woodwork that are like, "Yeah, I've always believed that." And so, who's to say the next you know candidate that runs that maybe is more conservative than this one would not? you know, sway people in that direction again. And that's something that's very scary to think about, that people kind of just change with the wind, so to speak. Um, and gosh, how unfortunate, and I'm very sorry and sad to hear that she was, she missed out on so much of her education. As an educator, that hurts me because education is a place where students are supposed to be safe and have the ability to, in your you know personal space but also in your in your mind your mentality open up and be comfortable to learn to really absorb and you can't do that I mean, there's statistics and data years of data that say that you cannot learn if you're suffering from trauma whether mm-hmm. that's homelessness or abuse or something like this where you know you're being targeted racially that's that's there's no way that um you know, that didn't have an impact on her, not only in her social circle, because of course, you want to go to prom and continue on the dance team and, and all that. Um, but just school, you know, just learning, she may have, you know, not done as well, or it may have affected her mentality trying to learn, she might have had to push herself harder to maintain kind of the same speed at which she was going. Because I mean, you know, you you like shoot a bullet into you know, a bunch of butter, like it's going to slow you down. Right. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of things in your way and it's, um, discouraging, I know, but I, that's just so sad to hear. And I'm sorry that she had to go through that. And that's the same school that you went to, correct? Yeah. Same high a, school. The
1: same high school that I went to. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely saddening and, um, but it was also in a sense, not shocking. Um, you know, just kind of, I think as a, a black person, you kind of like things are sad but you you're never like disappointed essentially like you just kind of expect the worst
0: yeah that's that is i mean isn't that so sad that like well i you know i'm not shocked by this mm-hmm. and that i think that's probably one of the worst things that you could say as any person experiencing anything that if you could predict somebody's behavior, that's just really sad. Um, especially if it comes to, you know, like racism or other isms. Uh, did you happen to have other stories as well that might open us up a little bit more? Yeah.
1: Um, let's see. So my dad was a firefighter for 20 years. Um, and he eventually, like you know, promoted and was able to become a a captain. Um, but he got a lot of grief in that process, um, because, there were people that felt like he didn't deserve the job because he was black. Um, and were just kind of at a loss of why he got the position. Um, and so it was kind of, you know, a difficult transition as far as earning people's respect and, um, and also just proving himself. Um, cause it was just kind of held to a higher standard. Um, I remember something that my, my, my dad, especially, but my parents kind of just drilled into us from when we were younger is that, you know, as a black person, you're going to have to work twice as hard for half as much. Um, and so, you know, he just kind of instilled that work ethic, um, not only by telling us, but also by doing it.
0: Yeah, that's that goes back to that idea of like having to have the conversation at a young age of things that you don't really want to be thinking about at three, four, five, but it, you have to.
1: Yeah, and I, I had read a quote somewhere that or maybe it was a tweet and it was like for all the people that are worried if it's, if their children are too young to discuss racism, um, just know that, um, you know, people of color and black children don't have that luxury. Um, They have to learn about racism. They have to be told from a young age, like if you interact with a police officer, be respectful, stand up, keep your hands out, you know, all those sorts of things. And so I think when you kind of put it in that perspective, it kind of opens people's eyes up a little bit. Exactly. And it's
0: it might be like semi-related, semi-not, but there's a really great video that I saw of this woman who did kind of spoken word about um, essentially like she is supposed to be the reason why her children live. As a as a black mother, you know she's giving birth to her child, and her child is nurtured and grown by her into being into this young, beautiful person, independent of her. But really, she lives with the daily reality that she probably gave birth to a child that will be killed before, the you know the child should die, mm-hmm. um, and just that poem. Resonates and it's very raw and very real. And it's when you put it in that perspective, too, of thinking of a, wom- a woman who is a mother doesn't like, don't think about race, just think about being a mother. If you have any pets, like, think of your pets. Would you want to, you know, bring a pet into your life just to have it? murdered senselessly right if no you would want to protect that you know pet or child or whatever as much as you can but you can't do that if there is all of this kind of systemic problem against you you know you have no say you have no ability to to stop it um and that is really what she talks about it's a great video if you could check it out i I unfortunately don't remember her name but i think it may have been like a ted talk x um so you might want to check that out Um, absolutely very, inter- very interesting. Um, you know, it's it's um, good to just put that out there as like, this is your reality, you know, mm-hmm. and people need to know this. Any um, last closing remarks that you have before we end?
1: I just want to say thank you for um, allowing me to join you and to provide my perspective. Um, I think it's it's good for, um, you know, me to use my voice and to, to speak to people.
0: Yes, absolutely. We are so privileged to have you and thank you so much for like i said all of the openness and honesty about your personal journey as well as all of the information that you shared with us about how to be safe while also you know fighting the good fight so thank you so much um this has been the royalty podcast and we will talk to you again next week